September 5th, 2023, where if you count from the bottom of the Amud up, it's three lines up. Uh, the Mishnah begins with the words, Misha Hayu Perotav. Now, if you recall what we've been dealing with, we've been discussing over the course of the last, well, almost the entire Perik, the many Mishnayot that we've learned and Gemarot that we've explained, um, is the halakha of tehum. Tehum, of course, is on Shabbat, on Yom Tov, outside of the place where you're, where you're dwelling, outside of that city, there's 2,000 ama, roughly 3,000 feet, a little bit more. Um, that's the amount of space, nothing to do with carrying, per se, that you're not allowed to travel. You're not allowed to move your body beyond that place. That's the halakha of tehum Shabbat. In addition to that, if you have possessions, the possessions that you own have the same status as you, which means to say, since you could only go 2,000 amma outside of the city, so too your possessions obviously could only go 2,000 amma outside of the city. Um, but there's a specific halachot that then get, uh, make matters complicated, because if you leave what's called an eruv, an eruv tehumin, which means the amount of food for two meals outside of the city at the 2,000, let's say, Amma marker, you then have established that place as your dwelling place. I, generally speaking, live within the city. But before Shabbat, before Yom Tov, I left that marker, uh, the amount of food for two meals, that's what's marking and designating my dwelling place for Shabbat and Yom Tov. I've set back my tehum in that situation. I'm now dwelling 2,000 amma outside of the regular dwelling place, and I have 2,000 more amot. Why would I do that? Because I want to travel somewhere, because I want to see something, I want to hear someone. Those are the examples. But by so doing, last detail, by so doing, I've now subtracted from my mileage in the opposite direction because I've established that, let's say, to the north, I'm dwelling 2,000 amma outside of the city. I got 2,000 more amot. I got 4,000 amot to the north of the city. It means to the south, well, I've pushed everything up. My dwelling place is now 2,000 amma to the north. It means to the south, I have nothing at all. Those are the important halachot with regards to tom, which we've mentioned what we've been assuming. The things that have become complicated are as follows. When we're dealing with objects or items and possessions, well, how do they follow through in situations where you may be transferred ownership of some sort or another, or it has a particular nature to it, that it has a dual ownership or things of that sort. This Mishnah will only continue those sorts of conversations, but that's the backdrop. Says the Mishnah, Misha hayu perotav be'ir aheret. Do you follow already? Here's the situation. I'm dwelling in Brooklyn, but my fruits, my food, um, is in another city, far away from my city right here. Which means to say, effectively, I'm not holding on to these fruits, but they're in a different city. And uh, in Allenhurst, they did a eruv. Now let's assume, well, let's do something closer to Brooklyn then. I don't know. What do we have? Queens. All right. Let's assume home issues with regards to Queens and Brooklyn. So in Queens, where I left my uh, fruits, they made an eruv. Now, effectively, for the people who live in Queens then, they could walk into Brooklyn. Again, they've lost the mileage in the opposite direction, but they've now established themselves as, well, much closer to Brooklyn, halakhically speaking, than me living in Brooklyn is to them. I can't walk to them. I didn't set up my Eruv Tehomin, and Queens is outside of my Eruv. They, however, established an Eruv, which makes it possible for them to walk, the people who live in Queens. One second, first just setting up the two cities. Now, the produce is in my possession, but not on my property. It's left in Queens. 
What's the status of my produce then? Can my produce travel to me? I clearly can't travel to it. I can't walk to Queens. The people in Queens could walk to me, and my fruits are in Queens. What's the halakha? Again, Mishayu perotav be'ira heret. Ve'erevu, lashon eruv, they made the eruv tehumin. Bene otahair, what's the halakha in such a circumstance? Lavo etzlo lo yaviu lo mi perotav. They are not allowed to, in turn, they might be able to come to him. That's why they set up the Eruv. They could walk to Brooklyn, the inhabitants of Queens. But they're not allowed to bring my fruit. It's my fruit, after all. The people in Queens might be able to walk to Brooklyn. They set up the Eruv, Tehumin, in order to allow for them to do so. But my fruit, do we follow? Who? What about if... The following situation is set up. They live in Queens. Who's they? Other people, people who live in Queens. I live in Brooklyn. My fruits are in Queens. I've set up an Eruf Tehumin so that I can now go to Queens. Perotav Kamo, the fruits, even though they're not with me entering into the holiday, I now have, I'm able to access my fruits, and my fruits have the same mobility, the same mileage in each direction as I do. Uh, that's the first part of the Mishnah. So again, effectively, this first part of the Mishnah just talks about where my fruits, my items, my possessions are in a different location. Nonetheless, it's going to go based on me, not the place where they are, per se. Mishizimene etzlo orchim. What about similarly, but a little bit in the opposite direction, I invite guests from Queens to my home on Shabbat. I can't now send them off with a gift, with some food, with the dessert, with a wrapped up meal for later on, takeaway. I can't, they can't do so. Why not? Ultimately speaking, although they were, although they were making an eruv so that they could walk to me on Yom Tov and on Shabbat, I never made it to go to them. The fruits, the food, the present that I give them at the end of the meal is in my possession. I might be giving it to them so that they can enjoy it, but ultimately speaking, entering Yom Tob at the entrance of Shabbat or Yom Tob, it was mine. The status of it in turn is, it has makom shivita, those are the halachic words we use, as the initial owner entering into the holiday. Mishizimenes lo orchim lo yodichu biyadam manot elayimken zikalahem. The way in which it will be affected is if zikalahem. That's a word that we've seen already and we discussed. Zechut. Zechut literally means a merit. In halakha terminology, in Mishnah Gemara terminology, as Rashi cites from the Gemara elsewhere, we talk about a concept known as zachin le'adam shelo befanav. I can merit something for you, which means I can acquire it for you. The reference here in the Mishnah is elem ken zikalo, zikalahem, it goes as follows. Well, let's take a look at Rashi. Rashi, the top wide line, elem ken zikalahem, al yedeh aher. First and foremost, Rashi explains we're dealing with by means of another person. Uh, well, let's kind of understand what this means. But first, the next words in the Mishnah were, Manotehem me'erev yom tov. It's that, number one, you somehow acquired it for them before yom tov. We'll read the next Rashi in a moment, but here's the circumstance. We enter into the holiday, moments leading up to the holiday, and I realize my friend from Queens is coming for lunch. I'd like to send them home with something. But I know that although my items are for me, and I haven't set up that Eruv, I'd like for him to bring it to Queens, but it's not his. So let me make it his before the holiday. Let me make it his before Shabbat. But he's not here. 
So I call up my next door neighbor and I say, could you come over? You're going to stand in as if you're that person. You're going to be zocher, you're going to acquire this item, this food for him as if you're him. And you're going to be mezakeh. It's along the lines of shelihut in the context of kinyan. Shelihut, generally speaking, will be to effectuate an action. Over here it's to possess something. It's without his knowledge as well. It's the same idea as Shevechut, but it's Zechut. It's without knowledge. It's not exactly, but it's almost exactly. Why do you need an action of some sort? Yeah, it's a good question. Rashi is assuming you need an action. Others argue that you don't. In other words, maybe it would be sufficient that you don't. It's a good question why Rashi assumes he needed but with another. But uh, that is Rashi Manotehem Me'ir of Yom Tov. Explains Rashi, how are you doing this? The owner, that's me, hands over the gift that he wants to give to the guests the next day before the holiday. I gave it to my next door neighbor, to Eli, for my friend who lives in Queens. Bemishicha, he's Kone, he makes an acquisition by grab by pulling it, Kinyan Meshicha, Ve'amalo, and I say to him, Zecheh be'menot halalu, acquire, merit, these items, Liploni, ve'liploni, for this person and that person, Dizachin lo le'adam, she'lo be'fanav, the mechanism that's at play over here, it's not so much Shilichut, which is an agency where it's knowingly sent, and done, but rather even if it's not knowingly done, even without your knowledge, I can be mezakeh, I can acquire it for you. And in turn, my guests from Queens, it was theirs. It's theirs from already before the holiday, before Shabbat. And the legs of those items are like their legs. No, not if you didn't do zechut. Doesn't matter if you weren't mezakeh to them entering into the holiday, but it's not really yours. You technically were. You cooked the food. You know, we had the guests. You, you didn't cook the, the one item. You cooked six items. You know, you had the guests. Clearly, your intention was for the guests to eat it there, though. For the guests to take it home not with them? them? It's, it's to share with them. It's, that, it's definitely not. To share with them to the extent. You could have the peas. No, oh, okay. the peas not making you look bad. This is for them. What's that? No, 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 no. Second case. That was first case oh, of the Mishnah. Sorry. Second case of the Mishnah, it's in my home and I'm sending it. It's the, it's the inverse. I'm yeah, sending it yeah, home yeah. with them. And, and the question of Eli and Jeffrey notwithstanding, but it is a, the question is a, is a question. The question is, why do you need... Good morning. Thank you very much. Good to see you, Kasim. Why do you need a zechut at all to, uh, in the fullest uh, you know, uh, legal respect? Why can't you just say mindfully or with words, I'm going to give this to them, that should be sufficient. Okay, for one reason or another, the assumption it has to be is that the stam mahshavan, da'at of a person is, I'm preparing this food for them to eat in the home. And even though there might be something left over, you have to argue for Rashi, that's not the stam da'at. Over here, you're specifically doing it because you're including it. It's gotta be something along those lines.
Uh, the Gemara now, although it'll deduce, it'll uh, bring proofs from our Mishnah, brings us in a bit of another direction. So again, our Mishnah fundamentally was talking about where the fruit, and we've been used to this already from the Mishnayot, is in a place outside of the domain of the person who now wants to use it on Yom Tov. You have something similar in the Gemara, but a little bit more formal. Says the Gemara, Itmar. Itmar means there was a statement in the Midrash. There was the following conversation, debate. Hamafkid perot etzel havero. I mindfully and knowingly take my fruits and bring them over to my friend who lives in a city over or lives somewhere else or lives next to me but has his own status with regards to Eruv Tehumin. Keep in mind, he could be my next door neighbor but technically speaking on the holiday on Shabbat with quotation marks, he's not living next door but he is sleeping there. The fact that he left his Eruv Tehumin to the west of the city means he's living to the west of the city. He got 2,000 more Amah, and as a result, he lost the 2,000 Amah in the east, right, and so forth. So I now took, for one reason or another, my fruits, and I was mafkid. We know that word from Masich Bava Kama in general. Lehafkid means to hand over for protection reasons. You're holding on to this. You're protecting. You're safeguarding my fruits. Now, effectively, well, effectively what? Whose fruits are those? They're clearly mine. But I've handed them over to you before the holiday began, before Shabbat entered. Uh, what's the status of those fruits? Now, if we have the same status, there's no question. If you're my next door neighbor, neither one of us said an Eruv, or we said in the same direction, no question. If alternatively, each of us has a different Eruv situation, that's the question we're asking. Alternatively, if you live elsewhere, that's what we're asking. It's really mine, but I was mafkid. Uh, what's the halakha in such a circumstance? It's a mahlok, it says the Gemara. Rav amar keragle mishihifkidulo, ushmuel amar keragle hammafkid. Rav says, the, uh, the status is uh, going by, and we determine by the person who was given those fruits, those items, to safeguard. If I'm the recipient, I am determined as for Eruv Tehomin, for the Isur Tehomin, um, I am the rightful owner. It doesn't mean it's really mine, it means I have a partial ownership to the extent that with regards to carrying it and moving around, it's mine. Shemuel says, absolutely not. Although I handed it into your hands, I put it in your possession partially, it's still entirely mine to the extent that, irrespective of what your status is, it's entirely determined by my status. That's the mahlok between Rav and Shemuel. Rav, the one who received, Shemuel, the one who handed it over. Says the Gemara, perhaps we can take a step back take in those two opinions and understand them at a deeper level, Rav and Shemuel, based on their opinions elsewhere in Masechet Bava Kama, Lema, Rav Shmuel De'azdu Leta'amayu. First and foremost, Gemara methodology. Anytime you start a sentence, well, in life as well, but certainly in the Gemara with the word Lema, shall we say, you already understand this is not going to be a strong argument. We're going to knock it down. Otherwise, you say, They follow their opinions. They're consistent. In fact, the Gemara starts with the word, Lema, shall we say? Somehow we're going to knock this down. You should keep that in mind. Azdu is a word in Aramaic which means go. Uh, they follow. Leta'amayu means according to their opinions, which means to say, I hear your opinion right now. You have a strong political opinion. I say, you know something, you're consistent because I know already that you voted this way or another. Your vote in the past proved your political standing and leanings, and in turn, the way you're reflecting it now in this moment is, you're going according to your reasoning. 
What's their reasoning elsewhere? How did they vote? Ditnan, as the Mishnah Masech Baba Kamandaf Memzayin teaches us, im hechnis bershut ba'al hechaser. The halakha, with regards to uh, something in my possession or bringing something into someone else's possession, goes as follows. Quite simply, we'll keep it as simple as possible. If I enter my dog into you, we're going to keep it out of oxen and things like that for now. If I bring my dog onto your property without your permission and it bites you or it scratches your car or it does something of that sort, it was on your property without your permission, Clearly, I'm obligated to pay. If my dog, in turn, I don't know, jumps into your pool and drowns, you're not responsible. I'm responsible. I was without your permission on your property. Continues the Mishnah. What if you gave me permission? You said, you know something, Rabbi, anytime you want to bring your dog for a walk or something of that sort, or you need it to run around, Fadda, my property is open to you. So that was reshut of some sort. At the very least, he gave me permission. The owner of the courtyard, in turn, is obligated. If my dog now drowns in your pool, there's liability on you, says the halacha. Why is the liability on you? Because you gave me... Somewhat, but I'm... You see, over your... Right, so what you're, when you mention Shoel, Socher, Shomer, etc., you're talking about when I handed it into your possession and you're in charge of it. Over here, I'm in charge of it, but I was given permission to bring it onto your property. A little bit different. That's this Mishnah. Shoel is earlier, and the Perek right before him, the two Perek came before him. Uh, so over here, the halacha, according to Hachamim, first opinion of the Mishnah is that the owner of the courtyard is obligated to pay. He has the liability. Rabbi Omer, Rabbi, Rabbi Udanasi, alternatively disagrees. Eno hayav ad lishmor. To Jesse's point, the second opinion, Rabbi says, it's not so. Just by giving permission to enter into my yard doesn't give me liabilities. It doesn't mean in turn I'm responsible for any damages, anything that goes wrong. Rabbi says specifically and only if I verbally accept Shemira. I say, not only can you bring it onto my property, liabilities on me. Not only are you permitted to take a walk with your dog or whatever, in other words, it's, it, it could be one step, but it needs a, it needs a higher it's level higher statement. Level, yeah. That's right, of acceptance. Exactly. That's Rabbi's opinion. Rabbi says uh, just permitting uh, entrance, just permitting movability, mobility and things of that sort is not sufficient for me to be obligated. All right, that's what we have then. That's the mahlok in the Mishnah. It has nothing to do with us, does it? I mean, it has something to do with us, but where's Rav and Shimuel? That's Rabbi and Hachamim. Oh, there's the name. We saw earlier in our Gemara, we had a machlok between Rav and Shemuel. This is the two, two cases we need to keep in mind. Rav and Shemuel debated initially a circumstance, a situation where I handed something into your hands, I put it in your hands before the holiday, and now the question is on the holiday, whose status is it? Rav said the recipient. Shemuel said the giver. What's the halakha going to be over here? Is it the same thing? Let's see. The first opinion, that opinion of hachamim, in this case, remember this case, this is the case of liability, this is the case of paying for damages. Rav says the halakha is like the hachamim. 
What were the Hachamim's opinion? Just saying, Fadal, bring it onto my property, made me obligated to pay for its damages. What does that make it sound like, the Gemara is assuming? It makes it sound like the fact that it's on my property gives me a partial or a full responsibility. If it gave me that responsibility, even though, AB, I didn't give the higher level, I didn't accept the higher level responsibility, that's sufficient. The fact that I allowed you to bring it onto my property, that in and of itself makes it, well, it's on me. As a result, that's Rav Leshitato, says the Gemara. That's Rav Azal Rav says, if I were to accept the item from you before the holiday, who in turn is quote-unquote, for tahumin reasons, the owner? Me, the one who's on the property. I have a full-fledged or higher-level ownership and stakes in this item just by it being in my hands. Ushmuel amar halacha kirbi. Of course it's different. How so? I mean... As I told you, that's why we started with lema. We're going to knock this out. We're going to say it's not good enough. But the, at this point, it's not, it's not terrible. It's not so, you know, far-fetched. Shmuel amar halacha kirbi. Shmuel alternatively says, absolutely not. It's not the way it works. The fact that I told you, that you told me, Fadda, bring your dog, it didn't mean that I'm going to be responsible. I wanted to do you a favor. I gave you movability. I didn't accept responsibility. Why would I do that? I don't like you that much. I'm just telling you, you could bring it onto the property. Quite the opposite. I want you to pay if you damage something on my property. I wasn't meaning further than that. Shimuel, the Gemara will now suggest, is also leshitato. He's also consistent because Shimuel's opinion is if I was mafkid, if I handed the item to you for safeguarding before the holiday, the status of that item is still in my hands. It's still in my possession with regards to Eruv Tehomin. Says the Gemara, lema, finishing the thought, lema, shall we suggest? Rav de Amar ke Rabbanan, Ushmuel de Amar ke Rabbi. Shall we suggest that the opinions of Rav and Shmuel, respectively, in our sugya, with regards to Tehomin, are as well consistent with those opinions of Hakamim and Rabbi? Let's begin the deflection. And we won't finish it today, says the Gemara. Amar lecha Rav. Let's start with the first and foremost Rav. Rav who followed the opinion of the Hakamim. Hakamim who don't require the higher level acceptance who assume just by bringing it onto my property with permission makes it to a certain extent, mine. He in turn is the opinion in our Gemara by Eruv Tehumin who says just by accepting it, the recipient now is the rightful owner with regards to Tehumin. I will tell you, I could and would argue, even according to the opinion of Rabbi in the Mishnah, he would say, like me, in our context. One second. Rabbi was in the context of damages and possessions in that respect. And torts. Uh, the, the, our circumstances with regards to on Yom Tov, the traveling and the moving. How could, what was Rabbi? Rabbi said that you need the higher level acceptance until he says explicitly, I'm accepting the Shemira. Why would Rabbi agree over here by Yom Tov and Shabbat? It goes by the recipient. Nitiruta means uh, protection. Uh, the suggestion is that Shemuel, excuse me, Rabbi would tell you, explains Rav, the only way when I told you that you could bring your item onto my property, that I'm accepting the security uh, responsibilities is, if I say it explicitly, aval hacha, but over here, hakabil ale nitiruta, didn't I? 
accept upon myself those protection responsibilities. Okay, we have to flesh out that deflection and we'll continue to the Shimuel deflection and the two challenges to Rav tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen v'amen.